0: Welcome to the Ponla Hockey Eagles post-game show and a Merry Christmas to everybody who's watching and listening to us out there tonight. It could have been a little happier Christmas for all Eagle fans, but the Eagles do survive, and they get a win over the what I thought was a god-awful New York Giants team in the first half. Suddenly they made it a game. Uh, but here's the thing, and let's not con ourselves. Um, there's absolutely something missing in this Eagle team right now, and uh, you know, they're gonna get a win, they'll probably went out and they'll probably get a number two seed, but we're, we're not left watching the same team that we were used to watching. And, and I know that we called it wrong during the season that, that we did take a, a lot of these wins for granted, that there were a lot of warts that uh, we didn't recognize, but right now it's clear that there's some pizzazz and fizz missing from this team. So tonight was more of a matter of, of survival than anything else. And uh, they, one good thing they did is they, they turned the game around finally in the fourth quarter with a couple of big plays, and that was really the, the touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, they got their 27th point on that drive. It was a big play uh, on a third down to A.J. Brown, and then uh, uh, a big uh, carry by Kenneth Gainwell, which got them that touchdown. But until then, they were kind of sleepwalking through the the, the second half, and it was one of those games where we are going could they possibly lose to this lousy team? But they win, and they keep the dream alive. What is the dream at this point? I have no idea what the dream is. But I'm Mike Buscelli, on your screen right now, we have Seth Joyner and Mark Farzetta. Uh, guys, what is the dream?
4: Um, The dream. Well, I guess the only thing you can really hang your hat on at this point in time is the fact that, you know, they're in the playoffs. Um, they're probably in, you know, a good position to potentially get the two seed. And you just hope like heck that you know they can get lucky the way they get, they got lucky today in the playoffs and all of a sudden find some magic, you know, and do something magical. Um, it, it, there's just, you know we talked about it in the pregame, Mike, you know, they, they've been searching all all year long. They've been searching for the formula. They've been searching for the continuity on both sides of the ball. And it's just apparent that you know, whatever the mojo was that they had last year, they can't recover it. They can't find it. Um, you know, teams that figure out ways how to stop them. And this, this is this has got to be the most frustrating team, Eagles team that I think I've ever witnessed play. Because you know, you can see the talent and the ability sometimes, and you're like, oh my god, you know, if they play like this, they're unbeatable. And then they do some some boneheaded things to make you go, you know, what what were they thinking about there? You know, why would you make that play? How could you be in the league this long and make those types of mistakes? Um, so it's just, you know, I, I just think that we're in a, in a spot now with this Philadelphia Eagles football team where it's just going to be touch and go every single week. Nothing's going to be easy. Um, they're not going to get any easy wins. And um, it's just going to be an interesting situation week in and week out to watch them play because they heckle and Jekyll. You know, from series to series, from quarter to quarter, it, it really is. Uh,
3: the dream, Mike, is that they win a Super Bowl. Uh, but that's the dream. Unlike last year, real, where it was, where a, it a, was a realistic, at least. The real <laughs> dream is now. I
0: should phrase
3: that. No, no, but the dream that dream is they win a Super Bowl. But like last year, it was almost a likelihood that they would win a Super Bowl. This year, it's absolutely a pipe dream. I mean, look for anyone that walks away from this game at this point in the season, saying, well, a win is a win. You just haven't paid attention to the rest of the year. You just started. Maybe maybe this Christmas you you picked up on football a little bit and became at least a casual. But this was terrible. I, mean, I don't believe in moral victories, but I sure as hell believe in moral losses. And this was absolutely a moral loss tonight. I, look, even if you would have won by you know, 20, 30, whatever the case would have been, even if you would have won by that amount, people still say, you know what, it still sucks, it's still the Giants the fact that they were only able to win by essentially a one uh, possession game and uh, made it a one possession game is, is atrocious. The one request I had going into this game, let alone the, the other two games they have left on their schedule is show me. You can control a game from start to finish. Show me that you can dominate an opponent. Show me, you know, pad the stats a little bit at the end of the year for your point differential. Show me that you were going to be the team shooting yourself in the foot. And yet, Here they were shooting themselves in the foot. Where would they be if they didn't get short yardage on their first possession of the game? Thank you, Britton Covey. What would happen if they, you know, I don't know, actually helped themselves in the start of that second half by not giving the football away? Don't be the problem. Just be part of the solution. Be part of the answer. Be part of uh, correcting the mistakes that they have made throughout the season. And tonight, they didn't do that. They held on enough to win. That's the obvious thing, but it's still terrible.
0: Just bracketed uh, a part of this game that happened on kind of subsequent plays and at the end of the first half jalen hurts that such little awareness of this situation that he doesn't go out of bounds and they they shouldn't by rights have gotten that field goal attempt the only reason they no. got it was a delay game penalty on the giants because he picked the ball and then the the uh, opening kickoff of the third quarter where uh Zaccheaus runs into boston sky and fumble and and the giants score and i'm going Good teams don't do that. Good teams don't do that. It's like we have lost the aura of this team being one of the premier teams in the league. And they were within a a desperation completed pass on that last play of having this game tied against that team. that Giants team is terrible. They were so bad. They had to pull the quarterback after after one half a play because he was just so afraid out there. And, and Tyron Taylor gives him, I guess, a better chance to win. But my God, you're up 20-3 to three going into the third quarter. You should put that team away. The old Eagle team would have put them away. Maybe a team we saw earlier in the season would have put that team away. Instead, they drag it all the way out, and, and they need to make big plays, like the, the pass to, to, to A.J. And, and the run by Gainwell, to, to stay ahead, to stay afloat. It's just not the same. You watch this team, and everybody's commenting the same way. They're going, something's lost here with this team. So that's why I asked you about the dream, because the dream <laughs> realistically is. If they get but, past you know, the second to, round, I would be surprised.
4: To Farsi's point, you know, be prepared, because that's what you're going to get all week. Oh, but they won. Doesn't matter, but they won. You know, that's not the point. You know, we've been saying that all year long. And when they lost three games in a row, and then they lost to the New York Jets, and you try to make light of these inefficiencies that puts them in situations where they're barely holding on and winning football games, you know, everybody wants you to just say, oh, just, you know, they they won, though. That's all that matters is they won. No, it's not. You're not beating. You're, You're not beating Detroit playing like this. You're not beating Dallas playing like this. You're certainly not beating San Francisco playing like this. So when you talk about the dream, you know, when you if you face those two, those one of those three teams playing the way you played today, that dream, whatever it is, Farsi will turn into a damn nightmare in no time because they cannot win against better football teams playing the way that they play. And they seem not to, to have learned anything over a, a, a 15 or 14 game schedule. They haven't learned anything. Sirianni is still making boneheaded, you know, decisions. Jalen is making boneheaded decisions. They're, how do you give up a seventy-yard touchdown? You know when you got the game won. What coverage are you in? Where you as a safety are standing flat-footed and don't see this guy running by you, and you're just looking at the damn quarterback. Good yeah, football Yeah, of course. Reed Blankenship uh, and, teams, did not and teams make that, that play. teams that aspire to win Super Bowls they don't make mistakes like this because they never get there making mistakes like this. You know what? Just real quick on throughout a lot of this season, we have talked about
3: that storyline of finding ways to win. And I feel like even really good teams can get away with that for a small portion of the schedule. But when you look back on the schedule, especially leading up to that gauntlet of games, you can't look back on them. Oh, they just found ways to win. You can't have an entire season of just barely scraping by. At some point you have to show that you can dominate. You can dominate over long periods of time. You're not going to shoot yourself in the foot throughout games. And you're actually going to have games that you control from start to finish. So when you get away with that narrative of finding a way to win, that doesn't spell success
4: in the postseason, unfortunately. And, and here's oh, what but it did to me. I tell you this. this th- there is a point in the season where learning how to win difficult games is beneficial, okay? So if you go through the first, say, the first four games are a wash because, you know, you're trying to find your rhythm. If you go through the first eight games of the season and you're finding ways to win, that's acceptable. But once you get to this point of the year, if you haven't figured out, you know, how to just win games instead of figuring out ways to win games, there's only a handful of ways that you can win a game. There's some ways that you can lose a game. And we've seen that at the other end of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, see, this was a game where if you're going to get well, this would be the game you get well in because they had lost three straight. Uh, the Seattle game was an uh, abomination so but you can you can obviously tell they're not they weren't as good as the 49ers or Cowboys. This is the game that you get well you come home uh, and, and you you you're supposed to rectify all the things that went wrong in those three weeks. you're a 14 point favorite at home against this team and when you went up 20 to three that should have turned into 34 to 3 or 34 to 10 at the very worst. This was uh, an acid test for them to get well. And they didn't get well. So this is just limping to the finish, hoping you get a couple wins out of here and then just crossing your fingers for what they can do in the playoffs. They're not a well team.
3: No, no. And I, I was saying, similar to what Seth was just saying, Mike, and to your point, I look at this game going into it. I wanted to look at these last three games on the schedule, almost like you used to look at the last, you know, the third preseason game back in the day, where it just showed that you, uh, you look, we can work on us here. We can do all the things that we think are going to make a better football team tomorrow and 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 so on and, and going past that but they just show that they're they're almost on the same level I mean think about this you're looking at a 33 to 25 game here against the New York Giants where they had to put in Tyrod Taylor only because the guy they had playing in the first half Tommy DeVito was just that terrible this wasn't the this wasn't supposed to be the way this game played out but I guess if you're just focusing on what the Eagles have done terribly over the last couple of weeks here you would expect this kind of you would expect this kind of game for them to barely squeak by the New York Giants, even if they had a 17-3 to lead. And I, and I knew it. At halftime, I had this fish wish I had this dream, if you will, that the Eagles would actually control the game. Maybe you get Marcus Mariota in there in the fourth quarter to close it out, and everyone just feels good going into the next game against the Cardinals. But they just allowed them to hang around and continued to make those same same mistakes that you can't make if you're actually looking at yourself in the mirror and expecting to see the reflection of an elite team. And that's not at all what we know now. That's that's what we know now the Eagles not to be.
0: Uh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to make a prediction here that Tommy DeVito has lost all his pizza powder, uh appearances <laughs> for the rest of the year. I I think that they have shrunk up now. He he hit a couple when the iron was hot, but uh, it's, uh, it's now over for my man with the uh, Tommy Cutlets uh, situation.
5: But,
6: but
0: you're right. Like at, at, uh, going into halftime, and you get the kickoff, the good team goes okay. Enough, enough, and, and they give them they give them seven uh, on that, uh, and then it becomes a game where you now you're just trying to scramble and and, and survive, and you score to do enough to score a touchdown to take the lead, but then you're giving up a seventy-yard touchdown. I, you know, I, I, I'm just you got to come to grips with the reality of this. This team. Is really just trying to survive to the finish. And I, I couldn't tell you, like I could sit here and say they're not good enough to win in the playoffs. And that's a certainty. But when do they lose? And I'm thinking they could lose any game they play going into the playoffs right now.
4: Well, Mike, I'm looking at the comments over here in the comment section. Um, I get I got, you know, I hate this show, so negative. It, it just goes on, it just goes on and on, you know. <laughs> And oh, maybe, I, guess, I
0: guess, God, do these people have eyeballs that watching this yeah,
4: game? Yeah, but you know what it is? It's you know, they can't they can't separate, you know, being a fanboy from you know true analysts as to you know what you're seeing in the game. You know, they all they care about, th- those are the people that say, right, there's another one, 11 and 4. Yeah, you are. But you know, you're not beating the better teams in the National Football League. You're just not. Not the way that they're playing. And, and, and that's the and only I question
0: could, really you have to ask. Are they well, good because yeah, we don't I, care about the rest of it? I've been in four teams, so it does nothing for me. Are they capable of winning in the playoffs? Wow. Maybe they are. Uh, but certainly not against a really good team that they're going to play. And and I don't, you know, the 49ers are out of the question for me. There's no way they can beat them. But I now question whether they can beat a team like the Lions or, you know, wherever. They're going to end up with the two seed, most likely. So I mean, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be able to
4: get the Lions in the second round. The problem is their pass rush has disappeared. You know, they're scared to death to blitz because of the coverage on the back end. Um The inefficiencies at linebacker continue to show up. Saquon Barkley is a good running back, but that offensive line is putrid. And they got the running game going in the second half to make it a a game because you got Darius Leonard who played really well in the first half. In the second half, he was just guessing, running through gaps, and Saquon was just picking up the the gap that he really was supposed to be in. Then offensively, you just don't – there's no continuity to what they do. How many times are you going to watch Devontae Smith in the second half go in motion across and allow a blitzing team that you know going to blitz, okay? You're going to motion him across and allow them to time the blitz up off the motion. Almost every freaking play they ran in the second half, they ran Devontae Smith in motion, and as soon as, as soon as he got to the edge of the box, they snapped the ball. So now you're giving a key to the defense. It's just a little small things that you don't even pay attention to. Why are you bringing them in motion if you're going to run the ball? Who cares whether in man or or zone if you're going to run it? Stop doing that. Stop giving the defense, you know, a a snapshot or giving them a tip as to when you're going to snap the ball. It's just the little small things that I'm looking at. It's like, why do do we run run, um, bubble screen? We cannot run them with any efficiency. The bubble screen is the answer to the blitz for this football team. And instead of them just incorporating some side adjustments, A.J. Brown can win on the inside on any player, any day, any time, okay? So instead of you just running the route and praying that your your protection is going to pick up the blitz, why not side adjust somebody? I watched Dallas got to run a freaking go route, a seam route against blitz. The guy that was lined up over him came on a blitz, and he ran 15 yards up the field. I'm like, run five yards and sit your ass down. It, it's like.
0: Yeah. See, people want to believe. That's fine. We're the, the comments. comments People want to believe that they have a chance to do something. Now, the trained eye, and we've seen a lot of football, and Seth obviously you played a lot of great football in your career and were a pro ball player. They're not connected. You can tell when a team is connected. An example of them not being connected is the uh, is the fumble with, with uh, Boston Scott with Zaccheaus being in the neighborhood. An example of them not being connected is giving up the long pick six. An example of them not being connected is giving up a 70-yard pass play for a touchdown. Good teams are connected to avoid stuff like that. Because those kind of things keep an inferior team in the game. And at this stage of the season, that inferior team should have been buried with you as a 14-point favorite in a home game.
3: Mm-hmm. A, a well-coached team, a well-disciplined team, they win that football game. A slightly more talented team, they win that football game with the opportunities that the Eagles gave the Giants. Today. But, but here's my overall my problem with the philosophy here, Mike. And I, I, if you're happy they won today, congratulations. I'm glad they didn't ruin your Christmas, whatever it might have been. But in all seriousness, we don't look at these games on an individual basis. Like, like there's no parade that they beat the Giants today. There's no parade that they had the best record in football. There's no parade that they won a lot of games during the regular season. When you, as an Eagles team, when they set the bar at a Super Bowl appearance, that's how we grade them for the entire season. And yeah, like Seth was saying, you get away with it eight weeks. You can talk about finding ways to win, and that's great, and that can help you later on. But then when you run through the gauntlet and you have trouble, like I just don't understand how people can still look at this and see the way they played the 49ers, see the way they played the Cowboys this time around, see how they played against Seattle and still say, oh, they got this. Or see how they played even in a winning effort tonight against the Giants and go, nah, this is the team right here. This is the team that can win a Super Bowl. And I don't know if there's ever been a better example – Of grading the team against the bar that they've set in the previous season, the level we know we know they can get to, the level of talent we know that they that they have, and then grading it versus what they have been this year. And I think the best case or the best example of that is the fact that if anyone is saying, "Oh, you're you're ten and two, everything looks good," the Eagles had a two game losing streak after starting ten and one. And then they fired their defensive play caller, essentially. They demoted him. So it's not just us looking at it going like, this doesn't look like a Super Bowl contending team. It also happens to be the front office of your football team. And what you saw tonight was unfortunately another extension of not being good enough to compete to win a Super Bowl at this point.
0: Well, I mean, listen, they got to play guys like Van Summerin, who you know, you get on the field all day. And, and mm-hmm. Calcaterra gets his first catch of the year in – in game number sixteen, fourteen or <laughs> on a or bad snap, we're, we're Whatever 100%. it is, they have yeah. to play.
4: They're Two throwing catches. guys in at this point. Two cases. Yeah. Hey, listen, Farsi. To your point, hope springs eternal when it comes to any football franchise. You know, in Philadelphia, you know, we've been so scarred and so hammered. You know, the last couple of years that you know, if we're in a position where we can be in the playoffs, you know, hope springs eternal. So I I get that. But my thing is, you know, let's be realistic about what we're seeing. And let's not, you know, because you know what? The fall is going to be that much harder, you know, if you're unrealistic. See, I can be realistic enough. And and don't get me wrong. I want the Eagles to do well. I hope that they do well. I want them to win as many games as they can, get back to the Super Bowl, parade the whole deal. I want to be a part of that. I want to see that for the city of Philadelphia. But I'm also, you know, a realist when it comes to, analyzing this game and understanding what it takes to to get to where you want to be you know I mean I played in two Super Bowls in my career I've been on really good teams and I've been on really bad teams and I know the reasons why teams succeed and why teams fail you know confidence is we talked about the confidence of the football team you know in the pregame, that this was an opportunity for them for their for their confidence level if it's down here to get here and then next week move up a little more and then in week 18 get it up here so that you go into the playoffs with your confidence you can't tell me that these players when they go and they sit and they look at the film that there's an iota of confidence in them and how they're playing right now they're scrambling just as well as the coaches are scrambling trying to figure out what do we have to do to get this thing right what do we have to do to fix it what do we have to do to become more efficient on the offensive side of the ball because i think if they're efficient on the offensive side of the ball that's somewhat of a translation over to the defensive side of the ball and it helps them but when they're not efficient on the offensive side of the ball when the offense is making boneheaded plays you know now all of a sudden you know all it takes is one or two plays and whatever little bit of lack of confidence that you had on the defensive side of the ball and i believe the defense is Confidence a lot lower than the offenses. Whatever little bit you had, it gets expounded upon, and the next thing you know, here you go. Now teams start running the ball at you. You know, you. you, Some of the things today, they, they were in the fourth and one, where they hand the ball to Saquon and he just waltzed in the end zone. Pray, pray and tell me why you're not in a five man front. What in the hell are you doing in a four man front on fourth and one when they've just ran the ball at you three times in a row? But you're in a four man front that you couldn't stop. Good Lord, you couldn't stop a Pee Wee team from getting 10 yards, you know, or, or a yard in that situation. Why are you not in a five man front? Why are you not in? Go man to man across the board and go a six man line. Go goal line. You know they're going to run the football, but yet they line up in a four man line, and Saquon just walks in because there's Leonard, decides he's going to run in the wrong gap. And here goes Saquon. He just waltzes into the end zone. And I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this and I'm like, what, what goes on in the mind of the defense coordinator when you make a call like that? They haven't changed their personnel. They're in a, obviously in a personnel package that says we're going to run it because they ran it at you two, three times in a row. But you don't make an adjustment and you really believe that you're going to stop them on fourth and one in a four-man front? I don't get it, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, We'll talk about the defensive coordinator performance in a little bit. Let's take a break right now. And uh, because I got to tell you about my buddy Gary Kane, all of our buddies, actually. Gary Kane, uh, of course, if you're looking to hire someone in the IT or engineering or manufacturing technology fields, then you got to contact our buddy Gary Kane and his team at Kane Partners Staffing Solution. And here's how you can.
5: Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner.
0: All right. So let me continue this playoff uh, chat because I, I, I talked to a lot of people this week that actually thought. They had a chance to lose one of these last three games, one of the Giants, maybe the Cardinals. Uh, I have been steadfastly on the record saying there's no way they're going to lose any of these three games. Now, today was an almost. But my point with this the rest of the season is not whether they win these last three games, three games. It's it's what it means to win those last three games. In other words, if, if they were able to rekindle some kind of zip uh, in these last three games, then as we look into the playoffs, I would be much more optimistic for what they could possibly do in the playoffs. But, the, you know, test one was today. They they didn't show me anything that would indicate to me that they're going to have any significant playoff success, which is it beat the Lions or, or the 49ers. There's two more games for them to show it. Could they get it back? I guess they could. We're just saying right now, when you look at this team, there is something that is disconnected. And I don't know if they can get it back. Maybe they can. But you can't just be blind to the fact that they're disconnected. You saw this game with your own two eyeballs. This game beca- became a game that shouldn't have become a game because of the inferiority of that opponent. And it became a game. And it was one pass away, one fluke pass touchdown away from be- maybe being tied and going in overtime. So, again, if they had led in halftime 20-3 to and they came out of the third quarter and buried that team, I'm, I'm having a different uh, look at this game. Okay, well, okay, well now they, you know, they got the eye of the Tiger back. I don't see no damn eye tonight. Did you see an eye?
4: I seen somebody got poked in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, you almost have to – I almost have to, like, laugh to keep from, like, really being pissed off about it. it because I'm like it, – it's like you you're watching you're watching football – and you're, like, just scratching your head. Because this is supposed to be, you know, the top of the top. These are elite-level athletes playing, you know, the best of the best at the best level. And it's like, how in the world do you operate in this manner? It's almost like, did you practice this week? What 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 was the game plan? How, what, what what did practice actually look like, you know? Did you guys just walk through all week? You know, and this is the problem I have with walkthrough is because you know, especially when you're running these bubble screens. This is why a fast paced practice, you know, is so important because the those bubble screens and screens are a matter of timing, getting the guys out in front, making sure that you're getting guys blocked up, making sure guys are blocking aggressively, you know, so that when that guy gets the ball, he doesn't have to try to figure out where his hole is or where his gap is. All he gotta do is catch the ball and go, you know. So I I just wonder, you know, practice-wise, what are you getting done? You know, because the the, the thought process is, oh, you know, we're going to make sure we keep our guys fresh, you know, by, you know, taking them through these walkthroughs, these one-hour walkthroughs. Well, you don't get anything accomplished in a walkthrough. For the older guys who know what the hell they're doing, that's easy. But you got so many young guys on this team. They need the pace. They need the pace of practice. They need repetitions you know, at seeing something. They need to visually see it and then physically do it, you know, so that when they see it in a game, they know what their reaction should be. Um, I, I don't know. You know, when I watch this football team, they look to me, you know, like I, I would I would love to be a fly on the wall, guys, and be able to watch a practice, okay? Because the old adage is, you know, you practice, you, you play the way you practice, and if this is what it's looking like, in practice every single week, then we shouldn't be surprised that this is the product that we're seeing on the field every single week. And what did Jalen Hurts say
3: after the game last week against the Seahawks? You, you play how you practice, and that's where he started talking about his commitment and, and everybody else's commitment, and then this week he tried to walk it back a little bit, but it all starts with me and all that stuff. <laughs> but this is how they play. I, I The proof is in the pudding as far as I'm concerned. The Eagles, with their game plan, with their strategy – with their analytics meetings and all that stuff, they're getting exactly what they want, they're just not getting the execution. Their plan, Seth, their plan is great. They don't have to divert, they don't have to change anything. They know how to win. This is how they do it. It's a lack of execution. Well, maybe you could help the likelihood of the execution actually being done right by mixing things up a little bit and maybe doing something you do really well, which is run the football. And I don't I don't find that any I don't find it a strange coincidence that the minute they started running the football and committing to that a little bit more in the second half of the game is the minute they started to really take control offensively and, and bleed the clock and take that control. And DeAndre Swift having five carries in the first half and then 15 in the second, and that's where he really started controlling things. That, to me... That's where that's where you need to, to, to correct your balance as far as your run to pass ratio, as far as far as your overall scheme, as far as your overall game plan. And if you do that better, then I think that execution and what they're supposed to carry out on every single play, that execution percentage will go way up.
0: Hey, look, look what this Giants team did. To it. I, you know, I tweeted out in the first half. I'm looking at the Giants with Tommy DeVito in there. I'm going, this this team may not score a touchdown in this game. And in fact, the touchdowns came. The first one they got was a 14-yard drive because of the fumble kickoff. Uh, the second one they got was the pick six that went for about 70 yards. And the third one was a, a, a bomb that you never would expect them to complete. So that's when I say they should have housed this team. That's what I'm, look, I'm t- talking about. This Giants team is not a good team. And, again, when you get well by playing a team like this and you cure all your ills, but they didn't cure any ills today. They won the game, yeah, and they made a couple clutch plays. The quarterback made a couple clutch plays, and they survived it, but they didn't cure any ills, and that's where you are right now. So if people want to believe, listen, I'm not going to dash your beliefs. Uh, you know, whether your belief is in the ballpark is is, a, is the big question. I, I don't think your belief that they're going to do something special in the playoffs is there right now.
4: Yeah, yeah I'm,
3: gonna, I, I, I'm gonna tell you this right. Now. This is this is the only thing the fan in me. This is the only thing I'm holding on to. We saw this city win with a backup quarterback, and in that season, and I know and I don't mean to activate. Mike, don't worry, I don't mean to activate the Folesian Society here. Oh, you just
6: activated them. No, You're no, no, no,
3: no, I don't mean it. I don't mean it. No, <laughs> but if you remember, it wasn't just the fact that Carson Wentz went down that year and Foles came. It wasn't like Foles came in and made himself an MVP candidate with like five weeks left in the season, whatever it was, he played, like I think, two or three really good games and then was god-awful. And people were talking about Nate Sudfeld starting playoff games. That was an actual conversation had. So the fact they overcame that and won a Super Bowl, I,
0: I can hope for just about anything. One has to connect to the other and the elements of this game, and they they just did, did not connect. I mean, it's like you, you look at it, and you go, Well, what connected for them? Nothing really connected for them. They had a lead and they survived it. Uh, but but the other team, you know, like you, Jalen Hurts going out of bounds on that play at the end of the first half is a quarterback who's not thinking. It's as simple as that. Your quarterback's got to be on top of the thought process at all times. He obviously was not thinking there. When your quarterback doesn't take the time to think that through, you're in trouble. Now he wasn't the cause of anything bad today, but that's a, just a, a ridiculous decision that they wound up getting away with because the other team is so bad.
4: You know, I'm I'm beginning. You know, and you guys know you've we've been doing this show together for two years now. You guys know that I'm a big advocate for Jalen Hurts. I really believe that he could be a special quarterback. But I'm beginning to worry about him a little bit. Some things that I'm watching him do now um, really worried, you know, like not having the awareness to run out of bounds, not understanding, you know, you don't have any more timeouts, that you got to get out of bounds. Um, I know that, you know, you think, you know, because you're a scrambling quarterback that you can make a play and get into the end zone, but you got to be aware of what the circumstances and what the situations are, you know, um, He's starting to stare down his receivers now. He's not looking guys off and then coming back. He's looking at guys the entire way. And then he gets into these times in the game, you know, where he feels like he has to placate um, A.J. Brown and get him balls and get him going. And teams are playing it, man. I mean, they're playing it. Um, that pick six, you know, even though Dallas got it slipped, come on, man you know you just those are mistakes that you can't make because the the DB actually ran the route for the receiver because you looked at him the entire way that's one of the things I do when I'm looking at the replays and when I go back and I look at a game over you know one of the things that I'm trying to evaluate is I'm trying to evaluate what 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 is the quarterback doing with his eyes because it's one of the one of the most important tools that he has at his advantage to be able to manipulate the defense you know now Teams understand that you know they're gonna start blitzing Jalen a lot more than they have in the past, okay? Because they want him to vacate the pocket and they want him to be on the run. And there were times today where he had an opportunity to just step up into the pocket and throw the ball, but he decided to vacate the pocket. And once you get the running sideways and you get a guy that's coming up on you with equal speed, now all of a sudden you're in a situation where you got to throw the football away. You don't even have a play. You don't even have time. You're not buying time to get guys to adjust their routes and come back to you. You're scrambling and running for your life, and then you wind up having to throw the ball away. So it's all of these little small things, you know, that are like football 101 for me that I'm watching. He's seeing the blitz. He's seeing the the, the rush. You know, he's staring down his receivers. He's locking in on certain guys in certain situations, and it's a dead giveaway. Then, in the most crucial of times, who is the guy he's going to go to 95% of the time? He's going to go to AJ Brown. And teams understand that. And they know that AJ is a great wide receiver, but no one's afraid of AJ running past them. Nobody's afraid of AJ's speed where he's just going to get away from you. Okay. So, in blitz situations, you know, or in situations where you're trying to get the first down, these DBs are sitting on the routes because they understand that Jalen's going to come to his favorite target all the time, all the time. And you've got to break that by beginning to go to Dallas Goddard in certain situations or, or Devontae Smith in certain situations. you got to do that. But if you're going to stand in that pocket and telegraph where you're throwing the ball, you're having a hard time playing quarterback. Now, yeah, I listen to the
0: numbers. You know,
4: he had 300 yards passing a day. Yeah, He, yeah, he, he had three, he had
0: 301, and he, as a team, 465 total yards. And uh, DeAndre Swift at 92 on the ground, and A.J. Brown caught uh, six, uh, six balls, and, and Goddard caught seven balls. So when you look at those numbers, you go, they he must have played all right, but there's just something missing. That's all. We're going to take a break. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Bill Calarulo will join us. And can't wait for Farsi because he's going to have the player you can bank on. Uh in the next segment. We have John McMullen coming our way. We have Kayla Santiago with the uh, Diamond Debate, all that ahead on the Pan the Hockey Eagles post-game show. We're doing it remotely today. As you can see, Mark and I are at Ocean. We, so we, if you look behind us, Seth's in the trophy room. So we're we're all good on Christmas, on a Christmas day. Happy Christmas, everybody. Uh, we're back after this.
7: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers.
1: and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's
9: bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near, gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored.
7: Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app.
6: In the big story on Action
3: News. Search
7: 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today.
6: E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Welcome back to the Pan Hockey Eagle
0: Postgame Show. It's Christmas Day. As you can see, I'm going to do, try to do this whole segment with my little, my hat. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> it there we go.
2: It's disappearing
0: it out of the screen. All right. Well, anyway.
3: <laughs> like our faith <laughs> in the <laughs> Eagles. You
0: guys, was Santa good to you
3: guys?
4: Santa, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Hell oh, yeah. 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 Was- I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm Santa's. <laughs> Uh, it's the Palahoggi oh, Eagles. Oh, man, no kids watching this.
0: Uh, I'm Mike Missanelli with Seth Joyner and uh, Mark Porzetta. And joining us now is the great Bill Calarulo. Uh Bill, I got to get your overall uh, opinion of uh, what you witnessed. And you, know, you heard us talking in the first segment about, you know, what this really means. And what it means to me is they're still kind of disconnected and I have no idea what they're going to do in the playoffs. Uh, but what did you see in this game?
10: Yeah, Merry Christmas, Michael. It's good to see you, my friend. But look, I see people in the chat, the die-hard fans, quote-unquote, getting angry that we're not coming up here just being cheerleaders. And I bleed green. I say it on my show all the time. I bleed green. I want this team to win. I want this team to win another Super Bowl. But if we sit up here and we act like this is a good football team, it reminds me of the parents who watch their kids play and think that they're so much better than they are, and God forbid anyone says anything negative about them. We just played a JV football team, Mike. I mean, the Giants absolutely stink. If this team didn't completely dominate the Giants, I knew I was going to be upset. We said it on the pregame show, and what a sloppy damn game. First of all, they get that interception at the end of the game, so they only lose the turnover battle 2-1. to But there's still a negative seven turnover differential on the season. They had nine penalties in this football game, and it came down to the last play of the game against the New York Giants. So as much as we all want to be positive on Christmas and the team's 11 and 4, they just beat a JV football team and they barely snuck out of Lincoln Financial Field. I don't see how we could sit up here and just be positive like some of the fans want us to
0: I uh, You know, fans here are pretty educated. Uh, the only thing that matters at this point is not what the number is in their record. What matters is are they strong enough to actually accomplish something significant in the playoffs? That's, that's what we're measuring right now. And this game certainly wasn't an indication that they're, they're worthy of that. So, you, you know, we can't sit up here and tell lies and say, yeah, it was a great win. It wasn't a great win. They were close to actually losing
10: this game. Man, one fluke completion at the end would have tied the game maybe. So it shouldn't have been that close. No, it shouldn't have been that close. And, and really, we said this last week and we said it the week before, is we're not overreacting to only one or two football games. We've now seen 15 games of this Eagles team play. They're a sloppy team. They make bad decisions on offense. There's bad play calling on offense. The defense lacks talent. I thought the defense played hard tonight. I mean, it wasn't difficult in the first half when you're playing against a guy who shouldn't be a starting quarterback in the NFL. As great of a story as DeVito was for North Jersey, the guy shouldn't have been a starting quarterback in the National Football League, and Tyrod Taylor gave that team a better chance to win. So it's hard to sit up here after watching this team now for 15 games and think, that they can go into the playoffs and beat these upper echelon teams. And it kills me to say, Mike, but the Dallas Cowboys are one of the upper echelon teams in the NFC when you're comparing them to the Philadelphia Eagles right now. I'll say this. I don't agree about the Cowboys. That's the only thing I will
3: say. (laughs) Because I think the Cowboys are just a choke job waiting to happen in the postseason, during the regular season. But the idea that you would host them here if you did meet, I I don't fear the Cowboys anymore.
10: I, I don't know how you could say, but Farzi, how could we say we don't fear the Cowboys? Here? They can't play on the road, Bill. They just yeah. can't well, play
0: on the road. Sure. It's they—they've been defined. They, they yeah.
10: just You, know, you, you want to know what
4: the you want to know what the Cowboys' problem is? The Cowboys, just like they've always been, they're front runners. Now, if they get a lead on you, you're in trouble, okay? Because they're just going to pour it on offensively and defensively. That's when they play their best football. But if you can keep them at zero, if you can keep it at if you can keep it at, at even, or if you can get a, a lead on that football team, that's when they come undone. And that's one of the reasons why they struggled on the road is they they don't score as many points on the road as they do at home. At home, they light the scoreboard up. On the road, they struggle to score points. And when they don't score points, they can't stop the run. They can't they can't get after the passer because it's not a predictable passing situation. You know, so. I won't go that far because they've shown that they can put points up against the Eagles. If they come to the link and have to play the Eagles in the link,
10: I wouldn't pick the Eagles to win that game. No way. Look, I'm being I'm being very negative because I'm frustrated. And the reason I'm frustrated (laughs) as well is because the one positive you could take from tonight also frustrates the hell out of me. Because why does this team refuse to see what their identity should be? When they commit to the run like they did in the fourth quarter with DeAndre Swift and even mix it in Kenny Gainwell a little bit, and they establish the run and go on these methodical drives like we've talked about, they could be a very good, efficient offense. And they can win the time of possession battle. They can keep a defense that lacks personnel on the sidelines. But it's so damn frustrating watching these games. It literally took 70,000 fans at Lincoln Financial Field to call the offense for them to finally start running the football. That's what's so frustrating because it's not as if this team can't do anything right when they call the right place and they run an effective methodical offense. This offense could be very good. It could be very efficient. They just refuse to do it. I don't understand why they ignore the runs still to this day for it's extended not, periods of time.
4: It's not sexy. And you know what? You, you'll go and you'll look at the stat line and you'll see that they threw the ball. 30, what, 30, 38 times? 38. And they'll throw it 35 times, but I'll go back to what I always say as far as that stat is concerned because that's the stat that the that the analytics people will use, and that's the stat that, you know, Pro Football Focus will use is that, all? Oh, you know, look, they were balanced, okay? But when your quarterback is taking off running the ball, you know, Jalen led, led the team in rushing in attempts in the, in the first first half of the game. Um, where is it here? He had, he had, six. had six carries, and I believe um, Swift um, had five. Swift only had five, you know. So there's something amiss there, you know. And then when you start to look at the numbers, how many? I don't understand why the NFL doesn't do it. Well, I know why they don't do it because, you know, if they separated the numbers out the way that they should, people would see how imbalanced most teams are in regards to um, the run-to-pass ratio because when Jalen Hurst drops back in the pocket and attempts to pass and he's got to take off and run, that's counted as a run, not a pass. It's counted as a a run play. It's markedly different. That was a called pass play that went to hell in the handbasket, and Jalen had to take off and run to try to make something happen. That's not a running play. It turned into a running play. A running play is when you call a running play, the blocking scheme is blocking like it's a running play, and you turn around and you hand the ball off to the running back. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. And 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 I guarantee you, if each and every week we meted it out and we separated those numbers, Jalen's runs, the actual tush push or quarterback keep runs opposed to runs where he's got to vacate the pocket. And try to make something happen and by the way you know the way that they're calling offense now in the first half i really liked the way that they called the offensive game plan they they were pretty solid in the first half bill you know the problem was in the second half you know things kind of got dictated in a different way because you started off and you know you you allow the team to get a get a touchdown right out of the gate and then all of a sudden it affects how you begin to call plays you know, but in the first half of this football game, I even tweeted, I'm like, wow, look at them. They are actually taking what the defense is giving them. They are actually, you know, moving the ball methodically down the field. The only time where they had hiccups, you know, in the first half, you know, that what fourth possession is when they had a penalty or they had a loss on the play. I believe that Swift had a run and play. He got tackled for a loss in the backfield. So it's, you know, second and 14. Then they went incomplete, incomplete. Then they had to turn around and punt the ball. But most of the time, when they're operating the way that they should, take the short passes. You know, how many times do we see Jalen just raise up and throw the ball to DeAndre Swift out of the backfield today? There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the way that they want to live. That's not the way that they they want this offense to operate. They want that offense to operate on big plays. Devontae Smith, huge, huge, uh, what, 30, 36-yard touchdown. That's how you create explosive plays. You don't create explosive plays by thinking you're going to run by a guy that's, you know, eight, 10 yards off the ball. No, you got to make that guy move up so he's in a position where you can run by him. So if you run in the short the intermediate route, the stop routes, the end routes, the out routes, the hookups, the deep dig routes, you start running those types of routes and so you start to complete them. Now you get a defense in a position where now they got to start coming up and playing you a little more aggressively. They got to get up and closer to you. Now you got an opportunity for double moves and an opportunity, you know, to 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 run by a guy. But you're not going to run by people when they know that you want the big play that way. It's just I I don't, I don't understand the, the the thinking, you know. And and it's funny because John, you know, kind of reiterated and 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 um and in the pregame, you know, their theology and how they're going to go about doing things. But when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So you can keep trying to do the same thing over and over again. If it doesn't work, it does not work. At what point in time do you make the decision to change how you do things? Because there was nothing at all at all wrong with an 8-to-18 eight play drive that stalled out. Yeah, you had to kick a field goal, okay? But you had an 11-play drive. You had a 14-play drive. There's nothing wrong with that.
10: I don't understand what the problem is, why they don't like that. Yeah, and, and Seth – they did have good balance, and then you look at the third quarter when Jalen throws his pick six. They get the ball on the six-yard line, and they're calling good place. They're mixing it up. They're running the ball. They're throwing the ball. They get from the six-yard line. They get all the way up to the 47. They then go pass, 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 <laughs> intercepted, touchdown the other way. Why? <laughs> you- Why would you you refuse to do what's working? You get the ball at the six. You have all this balance. You're running the ball. You're mixing it up. You're throwing the ball. And then they just go pass, pass, pass. And I know that that interception, Dallas Goddard fell down on. But Jalen should have thrown interception to play before that when he got really The interception
3: wasn't his worst throw. It was actually not even his worst play. He had two worse plays
10: than that. Yeah, so I just... It's just frustrating because it, they do have the talent on the offensive side of the football that they should be dominating games. But to stay positive, it's Christmas. What I did love to see, <laughs> what I did love well, to see, is well, they got the ball. As, as
0: long as we're in a good spirit, this is yeah. actually supposed to be the player you can bank on segment. And it's brought to you by First uh, uh, First Trust Bank. Um, so Farsi, uh, yeah, who, who did you bank on today? Yeah. Uh, if you're looking at Eagle football.
3: I'll tell you, I mean, it started out like I was gonna bank on that Britton Covey character. huh? he was looking like a guy I could bank on. But the guy I'm banking on is DeAndre Swift. And I really wish the Eagles would bank on him more often because it is just absolutely it's a it's a football crime that this guy doesn't get more touches. It's a football crime this guy doesn't get more carries. And even in the game where Kenny Gainwell, I believe, had three catches out of the backfield today. DeAndre Swift had zero. Now, I'm happy with him running the football, but you could also use him, as we all know, in that screen game. But for whatever damn reason, the Eagles don't want to run it. DeAndre Swift is a guy that the Eagles can bank on time and time again. And if you are looking to put a game away, even after you mess up and uh, coming out of halftime with that fumble and just gave a touchdown to the Giants, you could continue to bank on a guy like DeAndre Swift to take that ball down the field. Five carries in the first half and 15 in the second half is all you really need to know about who they needed to bank on in that second half. And DeAndre Swift is a lot better than what the Eagles have given him credit for this season. And it's become a storyline with a lot of regularity In these games, ever since DeAndre Swift had that great run in the first five games of the season, really four games of the season, not including the first one against the Patriots, where they talk about all this great production, and it was another storyline tonight, all this great production in the early going of the season for DeAndre Swift. And man, this Eagles, Howie Roseman's a genius for getting a guy like this. And then where did it go? All of a sudden, did he just become terrible? Is it all because of Cam Jurgens not playing in those games? Was it because Zoe peto was in those games? Why was it? Well, it's because the Eagles just decided that that wasn't going to be their bread and butter anymore. And I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but if they continue to use him the way they used him tonight in the second half, we're not going to be sweating out the endings of games against the Cardinals or the Giants again when you see him in two weeks. And you might even feel a little bit better about this football team going into the postseason. But it all comes down to how they run the game, how they run the ball. And the best guy to do that for him is DeAndre Swift. Last word, Bill, before we go into the break,
10: what do you got? I'll just say that the positive to end end my little segment with is when they got the ball back with about five minutes left, I said to the people here on Christmas, last year's team would have gone on a four-minute drive and ran this clock all the way down. And that's what they did. It would have been nice if they were able to close it out, but they went on a long drive, ran a lot of clock off, only giving the ball back to the Giants with – what a minute and 30 left minute, something minute like ten. that minute 10 so, yeah, they got field goal uh, so that was Elliott. good to see that was good to see because a few weeks ago what we saw were three and outs giving them the ball back with way too much time so I'm um, baby steps I guess Mike baby steps.
0: all right <laughs> that sounds good Uh Kayla Santiago is going to join us with the diamond debate on your Philadelphia Eagles uh, and again this is a show it's Christmas and we want to be in good spirits but uh, to me, like it comes down to, is this team good enough to do something in the playoffs? It's really the only question that's left for Eagle fans, right? This is the only question. It doesn't really matter what happens these last couple of games. They're going to win it. But we're trying to, to get a measuring stick here on how they're playing football. And we'll continue to do that on the Pondley Hockey Eagles post game show. Kayla's up next. Uh, come back to us.
5: Welcome to Pondley Hockey, the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pond Lee Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
8: Rafferty Subaru has partnered with So Good Now during the 2023 Subaru Share the Love event. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
7: So Good Now helps kids in under resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most.
8: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now.
7: go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean
6: e-a-g-l-e-s eagles
0: It is the Pondla Hockey Eagles post-game show as we do it on a Christmas day. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. We are not at Ocean today, but by the miracle of the remote uh, backgrounds, we are kind of still at Ocean. Joining us now, Kayla Santiago. Uh, and boy, Mark's jewelers must have had a big run of jewelry for this Christmas, uh, Kayla. Right? Kayla with us? Muted,
10: oh.
0: Kayla. ha ah. ah. Yeah. She's not on. Her voice is not on.
2: Oh, uh, now you got me. There we go. There you okay, go. okay there you awesome. Get. So, Mark Stuhlers are definitely some good holiday gifts, Christmas presents. But if you still want to go out there and get something for your special someone's, the sales are not over. They have sales from the 26th to the 30th. So, you can get them for New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, start off 2024 with a bang with Mark Stuhlers, And that will lead us to our diamond debate. And I know you guys were discussing this a little bit earlier on, but. Oof, this game, they came out with a win, but it wasn't too pretty against the New York Giants. It seemed that nobody thinks is good. I don't think is good, and the Eagles don't look too great either. So I want to throw it to you guys. Mike, I'm going to start with you. Realistically, the Eagles don't have a super tough schedule. They got the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants once again. But do you think that this team can compete in the playoffs, the wild card round, the divisional, NFC championship, or Super Bowl? Right now, divisional in the Twitter poll and the Jacob Media Twitter page is at 33% with the divisional round. Do you agree with that?
0: I got to be honest with you. I I I can't even predict that they would win a game against the Rams, if that's their first round opponent at this point. Uh, you know, the Rams aren't that bad. Uh, they're not like the Giants. So they may be competitive. The only Edge Eagles would have in that game. It's a home game. Um, do I doubt that they could beat the Lions? Probably. I, I doubt that they could beat anybody with certainty in my heart right now. So whether that's the Rams, whether that's the Lions, before they even get to San Francisco, which I know is not going to be pretty. Uh, I am in a doubt right now. This is why these last three games, Kayla, I've got to look at it and say, what can they show me that they that what kind of progress can they show me where I would actually believe they're a viable playoff team? I didn't get it today. So we move on to two more games left.
2: And we were talking about that at halftime. Even if they do win, well, it's the New York Giants. It's not like a fantastic win on the season anyway. Seth, I'll go to you. There's actually 29 people that think they could get eliminated in the wild card round and then 22% for the NFC Championship. Do you think they get past the first round? Or are you with Mike?
4: Well, I think it depends on who they play. Right. I think if they, you know, somehow if they can get the two seed and wind up, you know, with the winner of the um, NFC South, you know, there's a chance that they can absolutely beat Tampa Bay or, um or beat you know Atlanta. Whoever comes, you know, whoever comes out of that as a divisional winner,
0: they, they wouldn't get those unless they finish in the fifth seed. But the two well, seed, they they wouldn't get that either of those teams.
4: Well, who is is gonna, two, no the two seed gets the worst, the worst remaining. Yeah, and but Tampa you, Bay is gonna win their yeah. division.
0: Tampa Bay wins their division, so they they would
4: be in the fourth
0: seed anyway. No matter the wild
4: they, card. So, who is the wild card? Potentially Seattle. If you're
0: talking about them playing either the Rams, the Packers, or the Vikings that slide in there, those are the type of teams they would play as the two seed. Well, they wouldn't play Tampa Bay.
4: Listen, um, I I just, today was proof. You know, I looked at this game as a get right game for them, an opportunity for them to find themselves in a myriad of different ways um, in all phases of, of the game. Um, things were looking good. You know, they, they hadn't had a special teams blunder all season until, you know, that nonsense coming out of halftime. Um, actually, you know, the bright spot is, um, you know, Britton Colby actually set them up for their first drive, but, um, I I don't know. I
0: texted Seth after that, Parsi.
4: Yeah. I said, they were just shot. That
0: was the closest (laughs) he's ever going to get. We got them
2: one
4: more time. We got we get them one more time. But you know, I, I just thought that this would be the game where they would find a way to put it all together with all the stuff surrounding this football team and everything that's going on to play a team. That's awful. Um, the player team has been so battered and beaten up all season long. And to only win this game by five points, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And it instills what I said um, you know, earlier during the during the three game slide is that, you know, we kind of all fell in love, you know, with 10 and one. And we all drank the Kool-Aid and felt like, you know, this team was headed in the right direction. Where, you know, to Farzi's point, you know, you keep hearing find a way to win. And oh, what a resilient football team. Well, you know, teams that are struggling, they use, you know, catchphrases like that, you know. Oh, we won in a resilient manner. Oh, we won and, you know, we, we found, a, we're finding ways to win. Those are teams that are continually trying to find themselves. And this football team has tried been trying to find itself ever since week one of this season. And here we are in week going into week 17, and they're still trying to find themselves, you know? So what kind of confidence does that give you that they can beat anybody to go out and lay an egg? You, you gave away a game against Seattle last week. Okay, just gave it away. Game was yours for the taking, and you couldn't put them away. Then you come in, you got the stinking Giants coming to town. You beat them the last 10 years in a row. Okay, they can't beat you in Philly, period. And they come in with a backup to the backup to the backup of the backup, you know, and he just marches down the field and and comes within, you know, a, a hair of tying this game up and pushing it into overtime. So when you keep continuing to think, about where this team wants to go and how they've got us excited because of where they went last year and what the expectations are for this year and you become if you're real with yourself now i'm, I'm talking about being real with yourself i'm not talking about living in la la land and wishing for the best i hope for the best for this for this football team but i'm also not a person that lives in la la land my job as an analyst as a guy who played this game at the highest level is to is to analyze this game and understand and 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 talk to people about you know where the good is and where the where the bad. This team has some good stuff. They do, they did some good things on defense today. They did some good things on offense today. It wasn't a, just a complete wash, okay. But they've been trying to find themselves all season long, and they and they have these Jekyll and Hyde moments where they look brilliant one morning, one one minute rather. And then the next minute they look like the damn Keystone cops, you know, penalties, drop balls, um, guys running into each other. Come on, you know, good football teams who really truly have Super Bowl aspirations, they don't make dumb plays like they make sometimes. That's just a fact. Just a fact. And, and you know what? If it hurts your feelings over here in the comments, I'm sorry. It's just a fact.
2: And farzi 25 points given up to the New York Giants, who played two quarterbacks today, which is just mind blowing. How the Eagles were able to give them that much, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Jalen Hurts, another turnover on offense. I know that wasn't his worst play. You guys were talking about it yeah. in the segment before, but it definitely wasn't pretty either. Do you think that anything could click? Do you say to yourself, okay, if they play the Cardinals and the Giants and they dominate those two games, that they could pick up some heat going into the playoffs? Do you think that's where they're headed, or do you say? At this point, I don't expect them to go anywhere else with the divisional round.
3: Uh, I I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Again, it does, it does matter who, they, play, right. who yeah. they face. the. My issue is, last year we looked at Jalen Hurts and we said, no matter what, you have a chance to win because of this guy. You have a chance to win because of this guy. And and this year, I'm waiting. I find myself waiting more for the mistake. And it turns out the biggest mistake was the pick six, but that wasn't necessarily his biggest mistake. Right before that, he had a throw into double coverage that should have, might have even been a pick six. He doesn't get out of bounds uh, before the half, and maybe they have a shot to throw it into the end zone there before they end up kicking the field goal. And you've just seen, and you go back to the scene time and time again, these mistakes being made by Jalen Hurts that you haven't seen him make in years past. There's no way Jalen Hurts last year is trusting Quez Watkins in one-on-one coverage on a first and 10 in Seattle with 8.15 left in the game. There's no way he's throwing that ball down the middle of the field. There's no way he's looking at A.J. Brown to make that play at the end of the Seahawks game. There's no way he's throwing in the double coverage like he did before the pick six in this game. There's no way he's not getting out of bounds. He just doesn't look like the same guy. And I, you can call it a regression, and that's bottom line what it's been. But I also believe, aside from him just not making a smart throw, not I don't remember him looking off too many safeties or corners last year. That's something that he's always had to work on. But he sure as hell has not improved on it going into this year. And I'm not expecting him to all of a sudden be Aaron Rodgers where he's looking at his safety, or excuse me, he's looking off the safety all the way to the left and then snapping back and hitting a short pass to the right or even going deep down the right side of the field. I'm not expecting that kind of jump, but when you consistently see him staring down his receivers, that's not coaching. No coach is telling a quarterback where to telegraph a throw. And even though Dallas fell down, and if Dallas got her, doesn't fall down, that ball probably hits him in the numbers and you have a nice little gain there. Either way, he's still making the same mistake of telling the defense exactly where the ball is going. So when it comes to Jalen Hurts, I don't, I don't know anyone, even the even the biggest Polly Pom Poms fan you can find, looks at Jalen Hurts this year and goes, he's still the same quarterback. It's only coaching. I believe coaching has a lot to do with it, but he has made far more mistakes this year, and it's not just by the numbers and turnovers. It's watching him play and stare down receivers consistently this year that doesn't doesn't look anything like the quarterback that we saw last year.
2: Nothing at all. And I want to talk about mistakes also from guys that we don't really see it from. Jason Kelsey gets another false start in this game. Lane Johnson, another big holding penalty. And then the one where I just kind of put my hands on my head, I was like, please don't tell me it's the guy I believed in the whole season was Hassan Reddick with that big penalty at the end there. For you guys, the chemistry is clearly off in the locker room. Something's going on. The coaching's not there, whether it's from the top up or not. But even the veteran guys are starting to make these mistakes and it's not good at this point of the season, Seth, I'll throw it to you real quick. At a coaching standpoint, do you think there's any time to kind of ravel these guys in and figure it out and fix it? This is also the same conversation we've been having all season long at this point for me, I think it's too late. I'm not going to be surprised if they exit in the first round.
4: Well, listen, you know, they've been trying to fix it all year. They've been trying to fix it for 16 weeks and they've yet to come up with the remedy for it. So if that's the case, I'm of the opinion that they haven't fixed it by now. It's not going to get fixed. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of what ails this football team is that, you know, there everyone's feeling the sense of urgency inside. You know, when you're a good football team, you just go out and play because you realize that your efficient play, your hard play, your work ethic, all of those things kind of fall into place. Like, you know, when I was playing my best, it wasn't that I was like. I can make a play. I got to make the, it wasn't a frantic type thing. I was just doing my job. And in the throes of doing my job, an interception, a sack, a cause fumble, a recovered fumble, you know, there was always something that fell into place because everybody across the board was just doing their job. I think that, you know, and I played on bad teams, you know, where, you know, things weren't going well, you know, and as a, as a player, my mindset was, yeah, I, I want to make plays, but I think sometimes you can get up, you can get caught caught up doing more than what you're supposed to be doing, trying to do someone else's job. Like there are times where the ball is going away, and I'll see, you know, Josh Sweater Hassan Reddick, you know, try to dip down under inside to go and make a play. You know, and my thing when I'm watching that, I'm like, that's not your play. That is not your play. Now, I know that coaches always say, hey, you know, let's hustle to the ball. You know, let's make a play. You know, it, 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 all of those cliches. But the truth of the matter is that everyone has a place where they're supposed to be and a job where they're supposed that they're supposed to do. And for offenses, they're trying to get just one guy out of position, one guy not doing what he's supposed to do, and they want to exploit that area. And the great quarterbacks see it right now. The great quarter, the the great coordinators see it and say, "Okay, we're going to flip this over and we're going to come back to this play later on in the game. And we're going to take advantage of this problem that they're having in this particular area. Um, When I look at the Eagles, this is what I see is I see guys that are trying to do more than what their job requires. And in the throws of doing that, you get holding penalties, you get offside penalties, you know, guys trying to get a quick trying to get a jump. Um, you, you got guys that are making just, you know, not smart plays because they're trying to compensate in a situation where they know that everything isn't right. That, that, that the big plays aren't there, that I got to make something happen. You know, I, I, you know, I'm one of the leaders on the team and if if it's going to be, it's up to me. And I got that kind of mentality gets you in trouble because if everybody across the board does their job, then you're going to have success and there's going to be enough plays for everybody across the board to make their big plays. And if it's not your play tonight, it'll be your play tomorrow, next week. Okay. That's the way the game works. It always balances itself out in in that regards to statistics and things of that nature. Yeah. But to your point, again, I see a team that's really reaching that's stretching Mm is trying, everyone's trying to do a little, a little bit too much, instead of just relaxing, you know, and like the great basketball players do, they just relax and let the game come to them. They might not take a shot in the first quarter, but they still may wind up with 30 by the time the game is over because once the game comes to them, they're going to take the shots that are there for them. They're going to make the passes that are there for them. They are not going to try to, you know, play hero ball and shoot from half court. They're going to just play the game and let the game come to them and let it play out the way it naturally would play out and if there's no plays for them in that game and you still win, you're okay. Because guess what? Somebody else you know, stuck.
0: It, it's, it's about reliability with this team. We used to rely on them to do certain things. The most reliable thing they did tonight was they took time off the clock at the end when they were up 30 to 25, when they needed to take some time off the clock. The Giants had just scored. So you needed to have a drive to ate up some time. And they did eat up four-plus minutes. They didn't get the touchdown. They got a field goal. But that left the Giants with a minute 10 with no timeouts left, so that was a reliable thing that we were used to seeing the Eagles do last year and and in previous wins. John McMullen's going to join us on the other side. He covered the game for Jacob Media. We'll hear from John right after this on the Ponla hockey Eagles post-game show. Back after this.
1: I'm Jim managing partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds!
5: Staffing is not easy. But that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions, to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane
3: Partners. We want to be your staffing partner.
6: E A G L E S Eagle
0: It's a Hockey Eagles post-game show on a Christmas day. Merry Christmas to all out there! You got a present, you got to win, right? It's not you know not one like a there's coal in your stocking. You got to win today for the Eagles, and they move on with two regular season games left. One against the Arizona Cardinals next week, where uh, Seth's favorite defensive coordinator comes in, uh, and then finally the New York Giants. Along Here's the road, Uh <laughs> Neither game I expect the Eagles will lose. But let's bring in the man who covers the Eagles for Jacob Media. Um, John McMullen joins us. And, um, John, um, are, they, are they any closer to playoff reliability from what they did in this game in your in your
11: opinion? No. Uh, I You know, this is what I feared from this game. I thought, you know, nothing was going to come of this game. If they won – you know, handily over Tommy DeVito. That's what they were supposed to do. If it were close, they're not playing well. God forbid if they lost, there wasn't much good other than the good that came out of it. They're in position to get the number two seed again, or in at least a a solid position. You mentioned the schedule down the stretch, the final two games, bad Arizona team, uh, bad New York Giants team again um they should be able to finish this out with three consecutive wins overall then you 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 might have to hope the dallas cowboys the rare instance of um eagles fans rooting for the cowboys maybe beating the detroit lions but if they get to that number two seed you know i think you're in a position that where you want to be because i think you can beat anybody coming in the lincoln financial field then you roll the dice against san francisco projected to be in the NFC Championship game. And look, that's a tough spot. But that's the best you can hope for probably at this point. Um, And yet, they got out of it with a win. Um, Impressive statistically, not as impressive style points. So kind of where they were during the 10 and 1 start. But it's better than losing. That's kind of how I look at it.
3: What about the mood in the locker room, John? Because we've been going back and forth on this. I mean, we talked about it at halftime. We talked about it on the pregame show. They won. They beat the Giants. How impressed are the Eagles with themselves after beating a Giants in this manner uh, on their way to, a uh, obviously, another playoff appearance?
11: Well, they were happy. They were relieved. I think relief is the better relief. indication. Yeah. I, I mean, look, you know. The Giants have a lot of good players. It's an NFL team. I talk about it all the time. Saquon Barkley's out there. Dexter Lawrence is out there. Um, Bobby Okereke's out there. They, they they have a lot of good players. And I, I think, and I mentioned it at halftime, I think they were doing a disservice to those guys by playing Tommy DeVito. They finally benched him at halftime. And they got some juice when Tyrod Taylor came in to start like 53 games in the NFL. He's a credible, credible backup quarterback. And he showed that he was able to make some plays and got the Giants back in the game. Desperation heave to try to tie it with a two-point conversion. Um, So it got a little bit ugly. But I think if you look defensively, no Nick Morrow, no Zach Cunningham. You're playing Shaq Leonard as your main linebacker. You just got here on December 3rd or 4th. Ben Bansumer, an undrafted rookie. They're playing Nolan Smith at Mike Linebacker in the dime. Nolan Smith, an edge rusher, tremendously athletic edge rusher, but he's playing uh, Mike Linebacker in the dime because he had to. Um, You know, James Bradbury, they unveiled, this is Matt Patricia, it's sort of a, a small dime look where they had two rookies playing outside, Kaylee Ringo, Eli Ricks. Bradley Roby, James Bradbury playing inside. They had the three safety look. Reep Blankenship was the guy with the green dot the entire game. Um, so they persevered uh and were able to hold on. But I that was, yeah. I I don't think even if you win 40 to 3 if they keep playing DeVito, I don't think it changes much. I don't think the needle moves much unless other than you now put yourself in a position because of Dallas's recent struggles to to be where you want to be at this stage, and that part of it's a positive.
4: John, you know me, man. I don't disrespect anybody who's playing in the NFL. They've got some good players over there on the Giants. The Eagles gave them 103 yards worth of offense in the first half. That's what the Eagles. The Eagles held them to 103 yards worth of offense in the first half. Um, they've got some good individual players, but I'm not buying that. You know, they got good enough players for the Eagles to only walk away from this game winning by five. You know, the Eagles made way too many mistakes. They look like the same team that they've looked like all year long. You know, and me as an analyst, first, okay. I've got to be truthful. And then me as a fan, not only am I going to be truthful to myself because I want them to win, but I'm also going to be truthful to, you know, those people who listen to my, you know, me analyze things, you know, that's, that's just, I can't, I can't get with that notion that, you know, the giants got good players and that's the reason why, you know, they just, they, they, don't, they don't look like they know what they want to be or what they want to do. They don't. When they have something, when they have success and they're doing something well, they're the only team that I watch that when they have success, they refuse to go back to those things that they've had success with and force the other team to stop them. Okay? And then along the way, they make these mistakes that really kind of make you scratch your head and wonder, like, okay, are you not focused? Are you not, like, locked in? How do you make this, this type of mistake, okay, this late in the year? You can't do that and then turn around and tell me that the Giants are good enough to play this team to within five points. This team is not good enough to – even even as bad as the, as the Eagles' defense is, as bad as the secondary is, that team's not good enough to put 25 points on the Eagles, man. They're just not. I, I'm just I am just I'm frustrated with this team, you know, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit back and say, you know, I'm not gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. Because at the beginning of the year, everybody was like, oh, you know, a Super Bowl or bus. Super Bowl or Bucks. Okay. And we've been waiting for this team to find itself all year long. You know, we even gave them a pass when they were eleven and one. Oh, you know they—they're at least they're winning. They're finding ways to win, but now, yeah, they've gone through the gauntlet. They came through through three and three, and they played two teams in back-to-back weeks that they absolutely should have demolished. And they let—they lost one, and they damn near lost this one. And I'm scared to death with Jonathan Gannon coming in here next week, blitzing like he ain't got no sense. Okay. <laughs>
11: Something that he really I don't know if you right. have to worry about that, but J.J.'s uh, <laughs> JG, hey, looking a lot better these days. I will I'm, say that. Uh, John, from, I'm worried,
4: I'm worried about it because I'm gonna give you two reasons why I'm worried about the Cardinals. Okay, the first one on the defensive side of the ball, we are one of the most undisciplined pass rushes in the National Football League. Okay, we let guys get out. We get up above the quarterback. We don't. We don't. Our lane discipline is bad. And a guy like Calum Murray will make you look silly if you let him get outside of the pocket. That's the first thing. The second thing is teams have figured out the way that you handle Jalen Hurts is that you blitz him. You blitz him because they refuse to side adjust. You blitz him and you put him under duress. And Jonathan Gannon is down in Arizona blitzing like Buddy Ryan right now. Are you kidding me? I'm watching it, John.
11: Well, he, he he definitely has changed. So I, I want people to look at Arizona last week because I've been saying this for two years now. The reason they play the defensive scheme they play is because of the head coach. I, I was shocked when J.G. got here because he learned sort of first under Mike Zimmer. So I was expecting some A-gap stuff, a lot of blitzes, a lot of looks that Mike used to do. Then it was matt everflus in indianapolis with some cover too and i thought well maybe he'll morph those two and then he showed up here and he's playing big bangio scheme it did make a lot of sense to me now it does um so yeah he he's changed a little bit uh in arizona um and he's taken the nick Sirianni route as far as being a ceo coach so you know Unlike Philadelphia, he's well regarded out there. I just don't think he's ready to compete at this stage. But yeah, you always got to be worried about Kyler Murray because he can be one of those guys that kills you with off schedule stuff. When I see what Jalen Hurts, I I get it. They're not a conventional, conventional blitz beater team, hot route team. That's not how they go about it. I don't necessarily agree with it either. But you know, they are what they are. They're an RPO team. I talk all the time, you know, you can fire the bubble screen off into the sun. I wouldn't miss it at all. I don't like it. I'm not a big fan of it, but it's what they run. They don't run a Shanahan offense, you know, they don't run, that all comes from the Mike Shanahan tree. So, you know, whether it's Sean McBay or 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 Zach Taylor or, or Kevin O'Connell or uh, Kyle himself, those those heavy play action teams that do things more traditionally. Uh, uh, Mike McDaniel, Miami, everybody loves because he's running boomerang motion. Well, they're not going to do that because they're they're a RPO based team. They don't do that. Are they effective? Look, I I I, I got a, they got a ton of yards today, a ton of yards. So we talk about statistics all the time. There's statistics top 10 offense to the struggle b1 after tonight because they piled up 465 yards of offense the problem tonight was uh oh, Dallas Goddard slips on a route turns into a pick six aomedaK is friendly fire you ever see a friendly fire force bumble yeah they happen occasionally not like that um and all of a sudden they have a short grown-up um they have a short field, they score. Uh, and then you had the one big play where, where Reed sort of lost Darius Slayton. And that certainly you could put that on, on the secondary. Um, so it wasn't like the Giants were moving the football consistently. And that's not an excuse. It, it's saying, you know, it's the first thing Nick Sirianni said today when he was talking about the game. It's nice to correct these things, but we got to stop making these mistakes. Those are big, big mistakes. You're talking about, I think it was a 76-yard pick six because the receiver fell. You're talking about a 69-yard pass. You're talking about a short field because you're bumbling the kickoff return. How do you win that game? How do you win a game like that? Well, you win a game like that because you dominated the rest of the game. So I think people got to be fair. Are those things egregious? Yes. But for the other 50 minutes, they dominated the football game and they did what they were supposed to do. But, you know, people open up the box score and look at the final score and say, what are the New York Giants doing? And, and by the way, if they started Tyrod Taylor, maybe they win this game. If those same things happen, uh, but they didn't. So, I, I think you could look at it both ways.
0: Uh, John, I was just looking at the playoff picture. If the Eagles went out, they get the two seed. There's still a matter of the Lions uh, having to you know, win one more game. If the Eagles lose, then the Lions will get that spot. So we're talking either the two or three. And most likely it's the two. Right now, they would play the seven seed Seahawks. And uh, the Rams would be the six seed would play the Lions. Of course, they could flip uh, depending on what the, what the Eagles do. But when we look at those two matchups, Could they lose one of those games? Could they lose a first-round game to the Seahawks or the Rams, in your opinion, right now?
11: Well, they just lost to the Seahawks with a backup quarterback. But, you know, remember, in in that theory, obviously the game's going to be at Lincoln Financial Field. I would say say the, the far scarier of those two games would be the Rams because you have Matthew Stafford, who's, you know, a great quarterback, whether people realize it or not, and you have Cooper Cup and you have Puka Nukui is having a tremendous year as as a rookie, and they have a they found a a, a good running back in the Notre Dame kid, uh, Kyron Williams. So they, they've got it all again offensively. So they're a far more dangerous team, I would say, than Seattle. Uh, that would be the team I'm more concerned about. But if you lose either of those two games at Lincoln Financial Field, well, you know, going anywhere anyway. That's how I look at it. I mean, ultimately, they have the inside track. They had to the hiccup, they got they have the inside track to that number two seat, um, and they should be able to handle business here. And then you 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 who knows when you arrive in San Francisco, how are the 49ers playing? They got a tough game tonight. Um, Who's healthy? Who's not healthy? Maybe the Eagles get healthier. That's why look when they play the playoffs. Darius Slay is going to be back out there. Avante Maddox is going to be back out there. Uh, Nick Morrow's going to be back. Zach Cunningham's going to be back. You know, these are that th- those are significant differences um, on on defense. Offensively. They definitely have to clean things up. But if I'm talking about Jalen Hurts, I'll tell you guys, the thing that disturbed me most about Jalen Hurts today, the numbers were fine. I don't blame the pick six on him. Um, He is going, he is back to immediately flushing right or left instead of climbing the pocket. So the minute he feels pressure He's flushing. He's flushing outside. And, you know, a couple coaches have told me the minute you flush, it plays over. You flushed it Um, instead of climbing the pocket. Now, he's able to do some different things. And you saw it. It was ironic because they started to run the ball chant like 1450 in the fourth quarter. And then they're third and 20. We can't run the stinking ball at third and 20. And that's your – classic Jalen Hurts, off schedule, unbelievable play that really maybe won the game because ultimately they convert that third and 20, they finish the drive, they score. Remember that was directly after the pick six momentum. You're thinking third and 20, the Giants are getting the football back um, and he makes that play. But I I would say overall, He's flushing too much, and he he's feeling. Sometimes the pressure's not even there, and he's not climbing the pocket, and he needs to get back. That was one of the areas he improved greatly on last season, and I think he's starting to fall into some bad habits there.
3: No, I I would agree with you, and we've we've talked a lot about him going through his progressions or trying to at least him locking on receivers and escaping the pocket is something that he seems to be relying on a lot more. But you're right. That third and 20 play was absolutely insane to AJ Brown. Uh, I want to go back to something you were saying earlier about the defense. And it's a great point when you just, you do have to consider injuries. You can't use them as an excuse, but they don't have players defensively right now that are better than the players that are unfortunately not playing because of injury right now. So, I want to ask you about the, the scheme of a guy like Matt Patricia. What has really jumped out to you that is a lot different, if anything, between what Sean Desai was calling and what you're seeing right now with Matt Patricia as the defensive play caller?
11: Well, it, it, and it's hard to tell because they do have so many key players out. But And, and part of the reason why it impresses me is because they have key players, but he's willing to try – uh, a bunch of different curveballs like I saw Nolan Smith and Mike Linebacker, I had to double you know double <laughs> I was like looking I, I, am I seeing this right? I had to call everybody in and I'm like, where'd that come from um, So that's some open-mindedness to throw an athlete out there and maybe gets in, in in front of something in zone coverage. who knows what happens so you're trying to throw curveballs. Um, I mentioned the different dime looks, Obviously, they're playing so much time because they don't have any linebackers. But Shaq Leonard, uh, you know, talked to Nick Morrow this week when he was saying he might try to give it a go with the abdomen issue. And he said if he couldn't, Shaq would would have the green dot. And he didn't. Reed Blankenship did. So he went about that in a different way. So. Well, that's one of the things about Matt Patricia I've been impressed so far, his willingness to to try different things. You know, Sean would do some of that as well, at least when compared to Jonathan Gannon. But he didn't seem to have the competence to pull it off, the effectiveness. He was more putting guys in there and trying to mask their deficiencies, which in theory you should do. But at this stage of the game, if – Ben Van Sumeren is the best linebacker you got. He's got to go out there and play. And that's sort of, I think Matt Patricia said, all right, this is it. This is what you guys are. Go out there and play. And I think that's been pretty impressive. John, thank
0: you so much for hanging out with us. Of course, John McMullen is brought to us by Jaguar Land Rover of Willow Grove. Uh, Go test drive the new defender. You'll absolutely love it. Thanks, John. We will talk to you as it's regular season limps to a finish, and we'll take inventory of it in the last two games. Talk to you next week, bud.
11: It's it's JG week. Get fired up. <laughs> it's a Seth, Seth week.
4: I'm starting to like JG. Thanks,
11: guys.
0: Seth, are you going to have a homecoming party for him?
4: No, he don't, like he, he don't like me. He don't like me. You know, what I what I, what I wanted to ask John before, you know, we let him go, I'll throw it to you guys, you know, talk to me about Nick Sirianni's decision-making tonight. You know, that fourth down where they decided, fourth and third and one, rather, where they decided to turn around and hand the ball off to um, DeAndre Swift in the backfield. He got stuffed for yep. a two- or three-yard loss. Why in the hell didn't they go tush-push there? Yeah, good question. He's
0: not covering himself in glory right now. I got to be honest with you. Uh, we're going to come back. We got game balls. We got to figure out. So uh, during the break, come up with a game ball. Good game balls. The Palm of the Hockey Eagles post game show continues right here on the Jacob media, YouTube and six ABC.com.
4: My wife was in an accident that changed our lives forever. She was in rehabilitation for years.
10: She had to learn to walk again. She couldn't take care of herself. We couldn't afford a nurse. We were running out of options. One conversation with Pond Lee
5: Hockey changed everything. They understood what we were going through and immediately helped us navigate the legal process. We can't thank them enough. Pond Lee Hockey. Tell us your story. Of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
9: Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near, shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year,
1: stuff their stockings and yours too with a one size fits all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the
9: holidays. Eat chicken wings, five Hooters things, Christmas is near, gift cards are here, good at Hooters everywhere now, Hooters
8: gifts are always favored. Rafferty Subaru has partnered with So Good Now during the 2023 Subaru Share the Love event, and through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now.
7: So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most.
8: When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at
7: Rafferty Subaru. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
6: eagles Eagles.
0: Merry Christmas uh, out there to everybody in the Delaware Valley. as your Eagles taking a win today. This is the Ponalaki Eagles postgame show. Uh, the uh, This segment is brought to us by the great people at uh, Colony Pools. Sign up right now for the Colony Pools Winter Watch Program, where you can get your uh, uh, Kelly Green uh, pool cover. We'll uh, send it right to you. Go to uh, colonypools.com uh, for that. Uh, Seth, let's pick up on your uh, – uh, uh, opinion on uh, Nick Sirianni and what he's not giving to this team right now. So we, and we haven't, you're right. We haven't really focused a lot on the head coach. And that's kind of odd because we always focus on a head coach's fallacies in this town, especially when it comes to Eagle football. So uh, what is he doing right now? Is he, is he, does he not have control of this situation in your opinion?
4: I don't think it's a situation where he doesn't have control. I believe that the players respect Nick. You know, I, and I believe they play for him. I just think that there are some things, you know, sometimes as a coach, the season gets so long and there's so much going on and there's so much, you know, on your plate. You know, you have to be, a head coach has to be on top of everything. And I, I understand why he passed on, you know, calling plays because it, if you're going to be an offensive play caller, then you better have a defensive guy that's running your defense. That's pretty much just, You know, he's in control of that. You know, the only only time you have anything to say to him is in a situation where, you know, you're thinking about blitzing, and he hears it in his his headset because the head coach is cued into everybody. He can switch over to the defensive side of the ball. He can switch over to the offensive side of the ball. He can hear everybody, you know. So the only time that he's got to say or he's got something to say about what you're doing on the defensive side of the ball is in critical situations decisions that you're going to make that are critical to the game so when i'm looking at nick you know and i've seen it happen before with great head coaches you know later in their career you know you start losing control of the entire picture from the standpoint and i'm not saying in in, in any kind of way that nick has lost control of his football team but sometimes the little small things the little details begin to slip things begin to fall through the cracks. And coaches are notorious for saying, you know, pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the small things. Don't let, you know, make sure you, you know, you don't leave a single stone unturned in your preparation. And what happens is as a head coach, when you let some things start to slip, like last week, Jalen Hurts started talking about the commitment. You've heard him talk about the details. You've heard Nick Sirianni talk about the details. You know, you heard Jalen Hurts last week, you don't know, mention, you know, you play like you practice. That tells me that there's some things that's going on internally, you know, from a practice standpoint, from a fundamentals and a technique standpoint. Um, little small details that head coaches don't let slip that are begin that, that are slipping. Because when you continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again, you're not being reprimanded for that. You're not being held accountable for that, you know? And I got into it, you know, with a guy on Twitter this week about the whole, you know, um, you know, holding players and holding people accountable, you know? And I'm the type of person that, you know, I grew up in that era of, you know, of just tough love. And show me a player. And I've always said, show me a player that wants to be great. And I'll show you a player that doesn't mind being coached hard. I show show me a player that I'll show, and that's a player who doesn't mind being held accountable, you know. Now, I lived in that era where it was way over the top. A guy like me, it didn't bother me because I was mentally strong. You could talk about me, you know, to the media. That's what Buddy Ryan did. He didn't wait till his Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday press conference. He talked about you right in the moment, right after the game was over. Oh, 59 played like – you you know what I'm saying? He didn't care, you know. But for me, it didn't bother me. Because for me, I knew that there was a message that he was trying to send me. So I learned how to take what I needed to take, even as a young player, as a 20-year-old starting my first year, take what I needed to take. And the, and the BS, I let it go out the other ear. you know. But now we live in an era where you can't hold these guys accountable like this anymore. You know, Chip Kelly just ruined it all for this organization because now it's all about emotional intelligence. And I believe that when you make massive adjustments, sometimes it goes too far in the other direction. And I get the sense that that's where we are, where we can't hold guys accountable. When you hear Darius Slade say some of the things that he said over the last three weeks, come on, man. You got the C right here, brother. You don't make those kind of comments. You don't say those types of things. You know. And where is the coaching staff to call him and check him on that kind of stuff? When you start hearing rumblings you know, from players and people within the organization that are making innuendos and they don't want to they don't want to sign their name to it. You know, they want to write a check that their ass can't cash, but they don't want to write their name on it, okay? That's problematic for me because it's all it all comes down to accountability. and It all comes down to an organization that's not willing to accept certain things and a coaching staff that's not willing to accept certain things. So when you talk about the question you asked me, I don't think there's ever a situation where Nick Sirianni is losing his football team. But I do believe when I'm watching them play and I watch some of the things that happen and some of the things that I hear that comes out of that should be stay behind closed doors, I believe that people aren't being held accountable the way that they need to. That's my opinion. Seth, so to go back, right before the break, you mentioned the three and, the third and one
3: where they handed the ball in the shotgun nonetheless, handed the ball in the shotgun to DeAndre Swift. Do you think that was Sirianni's play call or do you think that was Brian Johnson's play call?
4: If Brian Johnson called it, Nick Sirianni was okay with it. Because okay. if, if Nick Sirianni called it, I mean, if, if Brian Johnson called it, Nick Sirianni heard it. You understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. There's a conversation that's going on between, you know, Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson. It's Nick Sirianni's offense. He says mm-hmm. that every single week. Right. Okay? So, But he also says Brian Johnson calls the plays. Yeah, Brian calls the plays, but Nick has the ability to override it. It's like, I would hope. Yeah. Listen, they could get up to the line in fourth and five, and and Brian, you know, says, you know, barks out a call. He's talking to Jalen. It's, you know, twenty five seconds on on the clock, you know, and Nick would be like, "Are you out your damn mind?" We <laughs> you, you you understand what I'm saying? I I hope so, that's the case, but that seems like a lot of conversation while the while the clock's ticking. Well, you're 100 right, but that's the kind of conversation that goes on. Okay, and, and when it comes when it comes to play calling too, you're not just calling plays one at a time great play calling means that you're almost three three play three calls ahead Mm -hmm. you know so if i'm if it's first down you know i've i've I've, in a lot of ways i've already thought about on second and third down what i'm actually going to run you know when you see clocks running down that's a pure indication to me as a player having been there and done that before that they weren't prepared for what they really wanted to call Okay, so right, that's a great that's a great point.
3: It was third and one. You had just given up a fumble on a kickoff right out of halftime, where you're looking to build momentum and put this put the Giants away. And And you need to maintain possession. And you need to maintain. There is no more obvious call to me than a third and one. Tush, push. Keep the drive. Make sure the drive keeps going in that exact moment. And if you're Nick Sirianni, and you hear the play come across, whoa! Well, how is there anything other than tush push here? Did they already feel like they they abused it at that point in the game? I, it just makes zero sense to me that they wouldn't go to it. It reminded me of Chip Kelly because time and time again, we would see Chip Kelly, and as emotionally unintelligent as he might have been, he would continue to compound that by running, you know, out of the shotgun on third and inches because for whatever reason, that was the best play you could call at that moment according to him. And then we saw from Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni today. It doesn't make any sense to me. And and the hope I had for the latter stages of the season, when you started to see, see this defense, this offense really start to struggle, was, you know what, I can see why Nick Sirianni would defer play calling to Shane Steichen, because Shane Steichen is a far better play caller than Nick Sirianni. So it's easier to have someone else in the building and go, you know what, you do this, I'll be the CEO coach, we'll be good to go. But with Brian Johnson, I would like to at least hope that Nick Sirianni would be a better play caller than Brian Johnson if he decided to take that under you know, under his wing. At the same time, to your point, especially when you have a guy like Matt Patricia, who you don't have to worry about running your defense because it's not like he's coming in here very green. He knows what he's doing on that side of the football. So you don't have to worry about him. All the more reason for him to take over play call responsibilities. But if you're telling me he's right there to veto anything, then... Then it's just a, a ship waiting to sink.
4: Well, he's got to. Now he he's not gonna say that, you know, and coaches wanna operate that. They want their coaches to coach, you know. But at the end of the day, if something's being talked about, if if a call is being talked about and that's not what that what the head coach likes, you know, he has the autonomy because he says, Hey, my name is all over this, my fingerprints are all over this. He has the autonomy to 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 negate things. You think that he wasn't telling Jonathan Gannon not to blitz? You think that he wasn't telling Sean side? You, you knock the blitz here. If you don't think that those conversations are going on all the time, I've watched Buddy Ryan stand behind the offensive coordinator, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, okay? I, I've seen it before. I've seen coaches do it before. You understand what I'm saying? Yep. But, but it's situations like we were just talking about, you know, where there's this theory that makes me laugh when I see these people that chime in, oh, you know, the NFL is rigged, you know, Oh, the NFL is rigged. They got, it's all set up. You know, the betting and whatnot, it's rigged, you know? And I'm like, man, you out your damn mind. These, these fools are out here trying to take my head off. Ain't nothing rigged about that, all right? But it makes you kind of wonder when you think about the Eagles are 98% on third or fourth and one. 98%. Do you understand the gravity of that percentage? 98%. But you got third and one, and you're going to turn around and hand the ball off. Why? Why? That's the kind of dumb stuff that makes people believe that the NFL is rigged. When you're converting in 90, listen, the Eagles are converting on third down at 48%. They're number two in in the National Football League going into today's game. But you convert on third and fourth and ones at a 98% efficiency rate, but you're going to turn around and have your quarterback go backwards and hand the ball off to your running back to get one yard when you convert on your brotherly shove 98% of the time. A flat-footed running back. back. Yeah. I don't well,
0: uh, let's go to our game balls. <laughs> <laughs> game balls, of course, you get Fly With Colony, Colony pulls flywithcolony.com. Um, game ball. This is an interesting uh, uh, selection here for game balls. You had a quarterback that made a great play to AJ Brown that uh, may have saved the game and at least delivered them uh, a victory. You had DeAndre Swift, but running well. Um, where do you want to go with the game balls? I'll, I'll defer to you, fellas, first.
4: Cut. Is that you want first crack? Go ahead. You know what, man? I, I'm just I'm conflicted here. Because defensively, you know, you gave one of the worst, gave up, you know, 25 points to one of the worst teams in the National Football League. Yeah,
0: but they so didn't give up 25. They gave yeah, up a 14 yard drive and a, and a pick. They gave, up,
4: right. they gave up 18. Okay. Yeah. You know, you, you got two quarterbacks over here at a, in the 60s quarterback rating. Saquon had, you know, 23 carries for 80 yards. So obviously, I got to go over here, you know, on the Eagles side. 24 for 38, 301 yards, seven yards per, one touchdown, one interception. That you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna give to him with the slip in one sack. 85 rating. Um eight, the Eagles won. You know, there's a side of me that wants to give it to DeAndre Swift. 20 carries. Can you believe that? DeAndre Swift had 20 carries today. Fif- 15 in the second half. Um I'm gonna give it to DeAndre Swift. And and this is why. I'm going to give it to DeAndre Swift because I believe that 20 carries for 92 yards, and if you would have gave him more than five carries in the first half, he would have been over 100 yards in my opinion. But he is showing when given the opportunity that he can be a vital piece to help Jalen play better quarterback. They're just so stubborn that they don't want to give him the ball in that manner. So um, that's my – that is my um, my protest game ball more than anything else. Mm. Gonna, game I, ball think going, I
0: think you're going to go Kobe on me, but you didn't. So uh, <laughs> I respect I respected DeAndre Swift. I thought um, about it, Mark. I'm going to give I'm going to do an obscurity. This guy will never get a game ball. And sometimes I choose a guy who I don't think will ever get a game ball. That's Grand good. Calcaterra first two catches. of this season. <laughs> Of the season, my man tight end. We didn't see Stall in the game, did we? <laughs> Cactara got the nod in there. They made yeah. two grabs. I'll give yeah. him the game ball.
3: That one on that uh, little scramble there, where the Kelsey snapped it over Jalen Hurts' head, and they big found play. him. How about that? that, that big, big, big play. play. Big grab. It was. By
5: him.
3: It absolutely was. Uh, I'm going to go with AJ Brown uh, in this game, especially for his play in the fourth quarter. Now, DeAndre Swift, I think is is the number one. Mike, I think you're right. Grant Cactara, close second. But I go the guy who go third here is AJ Brown. 55 yards receiving, including that 32-yard receiving play where Jalen Hurts all of a sudden pulled something out of his hat where he was able to, you know, climb the pocket in a rarity and then find AJ Brown down the sideline to be able to get that first down on the third and 20. And that was his uh, I think one of three catches on that drive. And he was money And in a clutch time where you needed to put the Giants. As close to as away as you could in this game, that was a situation where if they if they don't convert, they don't make those plays, he doesn't get open on that drive. You're looking at possibly not just talking about a moral loss, but an actual loss, which would obviously be worse.
0: That's a good call. All right, let's look ahead. There are two games left. They'll both be at reasonable times. Next week, a 1 o'clock game at Lincoln Financial Field and the Giants to be announced. I don't know what they're waiting to announce that, but <laughs> – uh, two games <laughs> left, that I believe the Eagles will win. We need to okay, put that so game. I don't on have them. Any about being scared to <laughs> lose one of those games. Right, so that means the two seed, and then we mix it all up again, Seth, and it's the playoffs, and we'll see how that works out. That's as far as I can go right now.
4: Well, listen, I don't deep down inside I don't believe that they'll that they'll lose one of these games. You know, if there's a game that really scares me is is the Cardinals. You know, because they've got to keep Kyler under control. Um, they're going to be able to put some points on the board. But I do believe that Jonathan Gannon is going to come in here and you know, kind of thumb his nose at, you know, the entirety of, of the Eagles organization and let them know how how this is how we should have probably been playing defense when I was here. And if you would have gave me the freedom, things would have been a lot different. Um so I get the sense that you know, and, and I don't know. I I'm, I got to do some digging this week. I want to see what Jalen's, what his, um, what his, what his completion percentage is, um, interception rate, to turnover rate is. You know, under pressure situations, um, because I get the sense the more and more that I watch games, teams are moving more and more in the directions of bringing pressure at Jalen. You know and it serves two purposes because you know if you're doing it early in the game you can kind of kill the running game along with speeding up the passing game because he really locks in the certain guys at certain points and times of the game and it's like in the first half it was devonta you know and then there was like this window in the second half farzy where he just decided you know i ain't looking at nobody nobody but aj you know and to me that's just not efficient football. All four of your five of your receivers have to be in the equation. You can't just earmark one guy and lock in on him. And teams begin to see that. And when they begin to see that, when they find out who his target is going to be for that period of time, they're going to work to take that guy away and then come with pressure. So um listen, I I think they'll win both games, but I'm telling you right now, that damn, that that Cardinals game. The Cardinals game scares me to death. Um and if Tyrod Taylor is going to continue to be the quarterback when they got to go back up there to the giant stadium, man, geez. <laughs>
0: um, this but, was Mike. So uh, all right. I, your laugh tells it all, but let's close it out with a laugh because we've got about a minute left. know, we do this little the private chat on the side uh, here. So we can communicate with each other as we're doing the show. And he put something out there, but we r- raised the concept of uh, Seth as Santa Claus a little, <laughs> little earlier in the show. And Farzi <laughs> thinks that that would be a great thing to be Santa, and I, I can see it. Like here, here would be Seth, and, and a little boy would come in and go, oh, "Merry Christmas, little boy. What uh, what you want for Christmas?" And, and the kid goes, hey, "I want a race car." And Seth goes, "You ain't get no damn race car. No How <laughs> did you get your mother this year, man? Get out!
4: You out <laughs> your damn mind." <laughs> You wanna know something, man? I am like phenomenal with kids. Kids love me. I don't know what y'all are talking about. This is just the this is the perception that y'all get because I gotta check y'all's ass every single week with some of the nonsense that y'all be throwing out in these in these dodos in the in the comment. You ain't getting no race car, little
3: boy. Give me my face. <laughs>
4: On, right, man. Listen, fellas, be like, I've been a, a good,
3: guy. I've been a good little boy. I've been a good little boy, and he's got a list of things like <laughs> misreads you had in class and stuff like that. Absolutely,
4: I'd be like, "Man, uh, come oh, on, man. Let's, let's... fellas, have a great ride." I take you for a ride in my race car, man. Come on, All <laughs>
0: right, sounds good. We'll be at you next week at a, a reasonable time as the Eagles play the Arizona Cardinals, Lincoln Financial Field. Until then, I'm Mike Misinelli for Seth Joiner, Mark Parzetta, Bill Calarula, and Kayla Santiago. Uh, and everybody who participates in the show, the crew, work tonight. Uh, happy Christmas to them. We will see you next week. Two games left in this season and the playoffs. So we'll at least have three post-game shows, folks. At least three. And we'll yeah, see ladies, you next week. Good night, everybody. Merry
4: Christmas, guys.
7: Go for the polls. And the pools. Go for the ooze And the odds. Go for the bubbles, and the bubbly. Go for the story, and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
5: The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia?
11: Uh, France Aleno. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Eat
9: chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card.
1: This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters
9: for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near, gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored.
6: E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Eagles.